Edwards III, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Well, here we are in the middle of October, and October's a great month as a Catholic, isn't it? Because think of all the great saints we celebrate in this month. We have St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Francis of Assisi. We've got St. Luke, the Gospel writer. But this week, we remember a great saint of our own lifetimes, St. John Paul II. Any, any great JP2 fans out there? JP2 is certainly a great inspiration for me. Certainly his writings, his teachings, his own witness has had a huge impact on, on my own life, and I'm sure many of you as well. Uh, JP2's feast day is normally celebrated on October 22nd this year. It happens to fall on a Sunday, but we're still going to remember JP2 in this podcast. I also want to point out that it's October, and October in the United States is Respect Life Month. Uh, and so we remember uh, the, the pro-life cause in the United States in this month. And I want to bring those two themes together in this podcast. I want us to consider something from St. John Paul II that he wrote about respecting human life. It's his great encyclical called Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life. And and I remember this encyclical when it came out. I was a graduate student at Franciscan University doing my master's program there. And I remember this encyclical coming out and being so moved uh, by what he was saying. Certainly I knew, of course, abortion was wrong, euthanasia was wrong, but the way he wrote about it, uh, how compelling his arguments were, uh, and then the passion and the intensity uh, of, and the urgency of how he was going after these issues. Um, it, it, was, it was so moving to see. But what was also moving was how he didn't just challenge the culture of death in an abstract way, like it's some big problem just out there in the world and in governments and government policies and abortion doctors. No, he challenged also all of us, us Christians, people who consider themselves devout Catholics. And he challenged us to consider how we might have taken in some of the individualistic attitudes of our modern secular age, individualistic attitudes that can contribute to the culture of death through our own neglect of love for the people God has placed right in our own lives. And and, and it's very moving. And and I've been blessed to teach this encyclical over the course of many years for different moral theology classes. And I, I always love being able to go back to it because I know I need that examination of conscience for my own life. Uh, I might not uh, promote abortion directly. I stand up for the pro-life movement, certainly. Um, I try to vote for pro-life candidates, all these kinds of things. And yet I know that there's times when uh, some of my individualistic attitudes uh, have have contributed to the culture of death. Um, you may be wondering, how could that be? Stay tuned. Let's listen here to what JP2 has to say, because it might challenge you as well. Uh, so you ready? Let's take a look at this. I want to look at some of these great arguments and great presentations about uh, respecting human life, and then that examination of conscience piece of what we can do. What what can we do better to build up a civilization of love? Let's start off. I'm gonna I'm gonna begin in Article Eight of this encyclical. And at the opening of the document, he reflects on a biblical story you're all familiar with from Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. You know the story. Cain murders his brother Abel out of envy. 
but he doesn't just murder his brother. He tries to cover up his sin. And that's what I want to talk about here. JP2 reflects on this point. Uh, God, after Abel has been murdered, God confronts Cain and asks Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain responds by saying, I do not know. I do not know. Notice, that's a lie. Cain knows where his brother is. He knows he just murdered him. But he lies to God to cover up his crime. And that's what happens in our own modern age. We cover up the crimes, the great sins against human life by giving them different kinds of names, names that make it sound less harmful, maybe even something positive, you know. Uh, so we don't talk about abortion as murdering innocent human life or killing a baby in the womb. What do we call it? We call it pro-choice. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm pro-choice. Uh, or we, we talk about abortion as an interruption of a pregnancy, uh, I mean, think about that. If I just murdered you and I just said, uh, would we just call that? Oh, that was an interruption in your day. <laughs> you, no, 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 that, that was murder. Uh, or we, we talk about it as medical services or, or health care, a health care option. Uh, when, when there's someone who has twins or triplets and they, they only want to have one child and so they get rid of the other one or two, they, they call it a selective reduction. I mean, again, that, that, that these are some of the terms we use. Think about that if you were in one of the classes I was teaching and, and I just didn't like you. And so I just did a selective reduction of the class and killed you. No, 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 that, that's not a selective reduction. It's murder. Uh, so we need to call things by their real name. John Paul II emphasizes that. We need to call things by their real name. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Um, listen to this quote from JP2. Cain tries to cover up his crime with a lie. This was and still is the case when all kinds of ideologies try to justify and disguise the most atrocious crimes against human beings. Let's just remember that. Let's call things by their name. Uh, let's not let these ideologies try to cover up what's really happening when we kill innocent human life. JP2 then goes on to reflect on the next statement of Cain. Cain says to God, am I, I, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Think about that line. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain here is shunning his responsibility toward his brother. We're supposed to live in solidarity with the people God has placed in our lives, in solidarity with the whole human family. Uh, but, but that attitude of Cain, am I my brother's keeper, resides very strongly in the hearts of modern men and women. We're just so focused on our own lives, our own careers, our own interests, our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own fun times. We, we just focus on ourselves and we neglect caring for the people right around us. John Paul II says, Cain does not wish to think about his brother and refuses to accept responsibility which every human person has towards others. You know, um, I think about this in, in, in my own life. There's little attitudes sometimes where I know I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't care for the poor as, as much as I should. I don't think about their need and their suffering as much as I should. And I don't mean just the poor in some far, far away country, 
But I'm talking about the poor even in our own country, in our own cities nearby, uh, or, or even in our own neighborhoods, the lonely, the suffering, the sick. Uh, and then there's all the, 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 the spiritually lonely and broken and hurt human beings all around us in our, in our workplaces, in our parishes, in our neighborhoods. Um, I know I, I can be just so focused on, on what I need to get done and projects around the house. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe even in my own family. You know, how often am I, am I truly thinking about the needs of certain relatives and family members? Or um, sometimes I can get so caught up in myself, I don't even attend to my wife the way I should. Or to one of my kids, I'm busy watching some some sporting match on TV, and and the kid comes and asks me for something at the at just the worst possible time because it's the climax of the game, and and the game is just much more important than taking care of this child's need. I, I have to admit, I've done things like that, or I've been so caught up in some email or some work that I haven't I, I haven't really attended, you know, to to my wife when she needs something from me. Um, now, I, I know that those, those, those sins aren't as serious as, say, the sins of, of euthanasia or the sins of, uh, of abortion, but they're, they're, they're on the same kind of spectrum, though. What am I doing? Am I, I'm living out Cain's attitude here. Am I my brother's keeper? This game's more important to me. This project's more important to me. Or I'm just too caught up thinking about my own life and I'm, I, I don't regularly encounter those in great need right around me and, and give of myself to them. That same attitude of, 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 of not living in full solidarity with my brothers and sisters uh, that are suffering in this world, of, of, of not accepting responsibility, that attitude, am I my brother's keeper? That's the same attitude that contributes to the culture of death. When we all live this individualistic mentality, um, we're building up a, a civilization that, that, that promotes even greater, uh, more, more atrocious acts of individualism, of self-centered uh, living. Uh, that's what John Paul II is going after here. He says, uh, We cannot but think of today's tendency for people to refuse to accept responsibility for their brothers and sisters. Symptoms of this trend include the lack of solidarity towards society's weakest members, such as the elderly, the infirm, immigrants, children, this indifference toward those that are suffering. Uh, this is me now, so that I finished the quote from JP2. This indifference toward the weakest members of society, toward those that are suffering all around us, that attitude contributes to the culture of death. And JP2 is challenging all of us to live more in solidarity with others and give of ourselves to the people God's placed right around us. Now, he goes on to talk about how in our modern age we have witnessed such such horrendous attacks on human life like never before. Uh, we've, we've seen this incredible, he mentions, unjust distribution of human resources um, uh, uh, and wealth and resources that, uh, unjust distribution of resources that have forced many third world countries into such severe poverty. He talks about increase in violence and murder and the world wars of the last century and even genocide in many countries. But he says, even more alarming is that there is another category, a new category of attacks on human life. And he says, what's so alarming about the new kind of attacks on human life is that they take place at the earliest stages of life 
and in the final stages of life. Uh, st- stages where, when human life is most fragile, when human, when human life needs our attention more, our care, our love. And precisely at that moment, not only are we shunning our responsibility to care for, for these human beings, uh, we actually are attacking them. Why are we doing this? Well, JP2 says, it's just shocking that we don't call these things crimes anymore. It, it used to always be considered a crime if you were to kill a baby uh, or a crime if you killed an elderly person. But today we don't speak of them as crimes. Uh, but it, what's even worse is that not only do we, do we not call them crimes, we actually call them rights. We, we, we defend the right of the uh, aggressor here. Uh, think about this. John Paul II says it's not only that in generalized opinion, these attacks tend to no longer be considered as crimes. Paradoxically, they assume the nature of rights to the point that the state is called upon to give them legal recognition. So, so we don't call them crimes. We call them rights. We bring in the government now, uh, whose role is supposed to be protecting and promoting human life. But we're going to bring in the government now to give legal recognition to these movements and people and groups that are killing human life. Um, and, and then the government's brought in to, to promote the, the, these acts of murder uh, by making available free services of, quote, health care. Uh, you know, so we're going to make these, these services free for people. I get the government to promote these aggressive acts against human life. Um, and then JP2 goes on and says, and it's not just bringing in the government, but what's so sad uh, is the fact that these attacks are carried out in the very heart of the family, the family which is called to nurture and protect human life. It's the sanctuary of life. So I love how JP2 is just like really just mapping out, this is what's really going on all around us. And, and, and my friends, we really, we really need to be wake it up. This is a document. Go back and even just read articles 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, the, the, this early section here, just a few of these, are, these sections, this, this, this will really move you because we could, we could sometimes, we all know, yeah, abortion's wrong, euthanasia's wrong, and we would vote the right way on these matters, and you know, might even give money to these causes. But day to day, do we realize what's really going on all around us? Listen to what JP2 says next. He goes on to talk about how uh, we are building up a culture of death. And who's at war against whom in this culture of death? He says, it's the powerful against the weak. I love this section here because he's just naming this is what's really going on. This is about will to power. This is about the powerful exploiting and, and, and killing the weak. He says, looking at the situation from this point of view, it is possible to speak in a certain sense of a war of the powerful against a weak, the weak. A life which would require greater acceptance, love, and care is considered useless. So those that are very powerful, look at those who are weak, whether it's an unborn child, whether it's a handicapped child, maybe a child with Down syndrome or other some, some serious, uh, some serious uh, special needs, uh, or, or maybe someone who's elderly and very sick. Uh, their life in our world is considered useless because we live in a utilitarian age. We consider human life is only beneficial when it's productive, when it can get something done. Uh, but, but if you're not productive, then well, I guess your life is useless. No, God has made every human life with great dignity. God rejoices in every human life when we should as well. Uh, but we consider them useless. They're, they're no longer useful to us. 
And so we're going to attack them now. He goes on to say, a life that would require greater acceptance, love, and care is considered useless or held to be an intolerable burden. They're a burden to us and is therefore rejected in one way or another. A person who because of illness or handicap or more simply just by existing compromises the well-being or lifestyle of those who are more favored. This life, this child, uh, this, this life tends to be looked upon as an enemy to be resisted or eliminated. Uh, this is, I'm reading from Article 12 of John Paul II's encyclical Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life, here in October, the week of his feast day, the week of uh, the month of respect life here in the United States. But I, I, as I reflect on this Article 12 of Evangelium Vitae, I, I just think this comes right out and says this is what's really going on. Think about this. You know, this, this unexpected child who demands greater acceptance, love, and care, this child is viewed as a burden. I, it's it's going to be financially draining, physically draining. I view this, this child as a burden. It's going to get in my way and get in the way of my plans of what I want to do with my life. So I'm going to exert, assert my will over this child's and a let it die. That, that, that's really what's going on here. There's this child that, that needs our care and attention is viewed as an enemy, an obstacle to what I want to do with my life. Do you hear how self-centered that is? But this is, as JP2 says, the war of the powerful against the weak. I'm stronger, I'm more powerful, so I can kill that innocent human baby. Or the same thing, there's this elderly person, I don't want to have to care for, for my, my aging parent, and so I'll just shove them off in a nursing home and not really spend time with them, or, or, or maybe I'll even, you know, if I, if I live in a state that allows this, I'll, I'll try to see if I can get them euthanized, because that'll just, I say it'll be better for them, but really it's about, it's going to be better for me, more convenient for me. Now, I want to be clear here, we're, we're, we're really getting into some serious matters here, but we always have to remember God's mercy here. There are many people who have made tragic mistakes when it comes to care for human life. Oh, certainly this is the case in abortion, especially many mothers who've had an abortion suffer so much for years later. They need our love and our care. We, have, we should have solidarity with them as well, responsibility to care for them. To, to help them to know God's mercy, that God wants to forgive them no matter what they've done. All they have to do is turn to him and he, he wants to forgive them. They, 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 God's going to look at all those circumstances there. Maybe they got bad information. Maybe they were under great duress, under great stress. Maybe they were pressured into doing this. There's a lot of reasons here. God, God just wants to bring forgiveness and healing. And, and so many of those mothers who've made the decision to have an abortion are suffering greatly. Uh, they need God's love and mercy. And we need to be responsible and caring for them as well. Uh, same thing, and even to say people have been involved in euthanasia, which doesn't happen as often, but is increasingly starting to happen around our Western world. Uh, those people need to know God's mercy and call them back uh, to repentance and experience his forgiveness as well. Uh, let's close, though. There's one last little section I want to turn to now. Um, it, it comes later in the in the encyclical, in Article 58, when he's considering particularly here the, the, the problem of abortion here. And he says many things about abortion and why abortion is wrong and many arguments. But, but this is the one section I, I'm most moved by. 
because he cuts through all of the arguments, whether it's from natural law or science or other things, and just just says, look, let's just look at what's really happening here. Uh, he says, an unborn child, no, no one more innocent, no one more innocent could ever be imagined. Let's listen to what he says. Quote, the one eliminated is a human being at the very beginning of life. No one more absolutely innocent could be imagined. In no way could this human being ever be considered an aggressor, much less an unjust aggressor. He or she is weak, defenseless, even to the point of lacking that minimal form of defense consisting in the poignant power of a newborn baby's cries and tears. Wow. Let me just break this down for you. He's saying, okay, you, you can't think of a more innocent human life than an unborn child. Uh, there's no way you can consider this child being an aggressor, much less an unjust aggressor that, you know, we, we can you know, use self-defense against. It, that, that's, that's clearly not what's going on here. But then this next line here, this child is weak, defenseless, even to the point of lacking that most basic form of defense, a baby's cry. The baby in the womb, you can't even hear the baby's cry. And then he says, quote, the unborn child is totally entrusted to the protection and care of the woman carrying him or her in the womb. This child is totally dependent on, uh, on the woman. And yet sometimes it is precisely the mother herself who makes the decision and asks for the child to be eliminated. Uh, John Paul II, beautifully here in this encyclical, shows us what's really happening in an abortion, what's really happening when we promote things like euthanasia and killing of innocent human life. But he also challenges all of us, as I said at the beginning there, to examine our own hearts. How much do we have that attitude of Cain within us? Again, abortion, euthanasia, much more serious sins than when we neglect the people God's placed in our own homes and our families and neighborhoods, workplaces, etc. And yet at the same time, if, if Christians continue go on, going on, living very individualistic lives, going to church, putting money in the basket, all those wonderful things, but, but in their day-to-day life, they, they don't live self-giving love and, and responsibility for others. They're looking more out, out for themselves and their own interest. And the more we live like that, the more we fail to shine in this world of darkness, the more we contribute to the culture of death, which then allows these more serious, atrocious crimes to flourish all the more. So let's do our part. Let's certainly stand up for the pro-life cause. Let's certainly stand up for the truth uh, on these important moral matters. But let's also, day to day, let's consider how can I live out solidarity with the people right around me? If you're a single person, think about maybe you live with someone, your roommate. Think about uh, your young adult group. Think about your friends, your your university students, your fellow students on campus, if you're, uh, or your co-workers, if you're, you're a young professional. Uh, if you're a married person, think about your spouse. Uh, if you have children, think about your kids. We all have parents, and if they're still alive, you can think about your care for them or your brother and sister. Maybe there's someone you know that could use a phone call right now. And, and just to know that they're cared for and that they're loved. You know, how much does our own preoccupation with self keep us from living that kind of self-giving love? So, my friends, 
I hope this was helpful here, taking a look at JP2 in this week, in which we remember his great feast coming up here, and in this month of Respect Life as well. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others, and uh, I'm told that if people review the podcast, the more there's positive reviews out there, the the more it gets out there in the iTunes world and all, so if you like this show, I want to encourage you to take time, if you could, to review it, uh, and hopefully it'll bless other people's lives. If you have any questions about this show or any suggestions of topics for future shows or just want to reach out and contact me, feel free to reach me on my website, edwardsri.com, just my name, edwardsri.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thank you so much. And St. John Paul II, pray for us. And I look forward to being